You're listening to Those Movie Dudes Podcast Show with your dudes, Nate, Spence, and Mainstream Boys. I don't care about Cobra Kai, honestly. I just oh, want to watch man. it because I just, every every time, which just doesn't happen very often, but if someone's like, you haven't seen Karate Kid? I'm like, no. I haven't seen something. The Godfather, seen so this? fuck you. I mean, that's why that's we do this I podcast. Do. We try to see all the movies that like people are like, you haven't seen that movie? It's like, all right, fine. I'll watch it. <laughs> that's, why, nothing, that's why we try to pick the right makes me, Nothing makes me more mad than when someone goes, Oh, you're a cinephile. You haven't seen that, and I want to be like, you know what really grinds oh, my gears? Have you seen A Man Escape by Brisson? Oh no, yeah. you haven't. Oh, have you've you never seen, seen Mike Flanagan's initial feature, Absentia. Five or six years ago, I would consider myself like huge cinephile and like big into movies. But like since then, all the movies that we've seen since, and like seeing what other people's tastes are, and like learning about all these other movies that exist, like I haven't even made a dent. <laughs> it feels like, but I feel <laughs> like I have now. But back then, I was like, geez, I was. We like slacking. the the most obscure movie i'd ever saw was like grown-ups 2 at that point so like it's it's I've, we've definitely come a long way <laughs> seriously over the last couple of days and it, well it kind of started when we recorded our episode on a history of violence and i had mentioned a movie cliche that kind of drove me nuts which is like when characters go into like a bathroom or they're going through like a hard, hard time uh, and then they splash water in their, on their faces and look at themselves in the mirror for like 30 seconds. <laughs> Literally, like if you watch any movie or TV show, I guarantee you there's a scene where a character does that. It's just a very overused movie cliche. So it got me It thinking. happens in the first episode of A Flight Attendant twice. Um, I'm sure. She, I'm sure. She does it in her hotel room <laughs> and she does it on the airplane. I don't know if so, she splashes water in her face, but she like stares in the mirror and she's like, you got to get it together, Kaylee. It happens all the time. <laughs> Um, is that her so, character's name? No, it's not. <laughs> it's so Katie, what movie? Actually. So what movie cliches drive you absolutely bonkers? I have one that comes to mind, and it was mentioned. I think it was actually on a movie fight at one point, and somebody picked this, and I was like, "Yes, that bothers me a lot." When people don't say goodbye on a phone call, <laughs> they just hang up. <laughs> they just hang up. It's like, "And hey, I see you, mom," or they don't even say that. No, they, it's just like they're mid conversation, and then it cuts, and then they hang up the phone. It's, it's usually like, like a an action movie, like Jason Bourne, and like uh, or like oh, a yeah, spy absolutely. thriller, all all the time. Like they're just like, "Yeah, look, packages over there," and then they're just like, <laughs> then, then, then that's, that's the end it. of the conversation, <laughs> all right? Yeah. So. Well, I'm gonna go to like my horror tropes that we see a lot because I'm big into horror. My least favorite is like it's gonna be kind of an obvious one, but. If there's a fucking killer around, don't fucking split up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who thought it was a great idea to just, oh yeah, okay, so we do better by ourselves. Go. Oh, okay. Well, there goes three people automatically. Yeah. But no. If there's like six or seven of you and you've got like like a six foot five killer, and there's six or seven people around fucking take the fucker down like come on <laughs> anyways guys welcome back to another episode of those movie dudes podcasts it's the show where the three of us narrow down three acclaimed films that we have never seen before voted and chosen all by you guys and if you want to help pick and help decide what movies we watch for the podcast make sure you go to our instagram and vote in our stories if you're listening to an episode on the weekend and most likely that is where you can go and choose what movies we're going to watch for next week's episode at those movie dudes make sure you guys go and do that but we had some movies that were voted on a couple of weeks ago by the good people and john what was the poll that won for hmm. you i do believe uh went up, up against the netflix film what happened to monday with willem dafoe um it lost to 
High Origins, a Mike Cahill film, uh, stuff that I've always wanted to check out, 2014 film. So, uh, yeah, that's what we watched for me this week. And Nate, what was the poll that you uh, put out for the good people to vote on? So, I went with kind of a themed poll because of the uh, King Kong versus Godzilla trailer that came out. So, I put the 1956 original. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like forever Original ago Godzilla from Toho. That was defeated by my choice because it was 50-50. I had to go with Team Kong. So we watched the 1933 black and white classic version of King Kong. And I'm excited. He's Kong all the way. Like, who else would, like, just punch Godzilla in the face? And the poll that I put out was Lost in Translation versus Monos. 83% Lost in Translation and 17% Monos. I mean, it was a landslide. Lost in Translation was the winner. Uh, so that was the film that I picked that won the poll. Let's, uh, let's throw it to you, Mr. John. We're going to Master Boy first. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Eye Origins. I go to 7-Eleven, I buy some stuff. 11-11. Lucky 11s. I look at the date, it's 11-11. I look at the time, it's 11-11. I start to see these 11s everywhere. When I followed them, I found these eyes. I'd like to tell you the story of the eyes that changed this world. Yeah, so with Eye Origins, this is a film that I remember wanting to check out ever since I saw Another Earth back in like 2013, 2014. I don't know. I, I just remember kind of really liking his directing style with that one. He he has this kind of sense of wonder to his films, although they still have a very sort of uh, indie, low-budget feel. And this one just had a very interesting concept that I really wanted to explore yeah, I think with this movie, is it's hard to talk about some of my favorite parts without spoiling some key plot elements, but I will say that I think this movie has three distinct acts that I like equally. It, it's it's very much a romantic kind of a love story, and also like a, a story of scientific discovery. So I think if either of those things are appealing to you, that this movie will be very interesting. I really liked kind of the main, like the first half of this movie with the love story was was so good until it comes to a tragic end. I think that the cinematography was really, really cool. I thought I was a little bit freaked out at first with all the eyes and stuff, but then I kind of saw, you kind of understand his fascination with it and why it's so important to him and how he's trying to like change the scientific community. And it ended up just being a really, really interesting look into a, what this guy was was trying to do so i don't know i think there were just a lot of really cool things about this movie it's it was a really really smart kind of exploration of kind of religion or different sort of religious principles kind of weaved into scientific stuff as well trying to understand it from both sides that's kind of something i can relate to because i don't really have any strong religious beliefs so i can kind of see it from both sides because i try to be understanding so I don't know. I just thought it was a really interesting story overall with very uh, solid character studies. This one, it was definitely interesting. It, it made me look at my eyes a lot more, like when I was sitting in the bathroom at work. Like I was just kind of looking in the mirror, trying to point out little significant differences that would make my eye different than somebody else that has bluish gray eyes. So it definitely interested me in that way. And Anything that has to do with any sort of discovery is always kind of cool because it could potentially change the world around us in a way. So it's cool seeing conceivable things that could happen in a narrative type way. And I agree, it did have a really good, pretty decent three-act structure, but I just didn't... I, I, they, they gave you a character that you really grow to like 
and then they just take her away. And I didn't like that. But I they wasn't very happy. It, but so, yes. And it was in such a random way, too. Like, when it happened, I went, oh, oh, oh. Like, I kind of knew it was coming. Yeah, so I Origins, it's, it's a very ambitious movie. Like, I was constantly curious to see where the story was going to go next, and I did think it was a little predictable. Like, I, I could kind of see where they were going to go with the whole, like, reincarnation aspect of it. Uh, sorry, spoiler. But yeah, like, that's trying to keep. That there's no way to talk about this movie without it. Like we all watched it. Sorry, like spoiler we're going to talk about for the it. next 15 minutes or so. But still, it's it's an interesting <laughs> movie. But show. also, by the time it piqued my interest, it was over, and that's what I. That's why I feel like the movie was a little, just kind of hollow for me. It was able to present some really interesting idea ideas in like a very like big concept in a small scale with like the technical aspects because. Yeah, it's just done with like very simple cinema- cinematography, good directing and acting and stuff like that. So it, that all works really well. Uh, so it makes the story interesting. But I don't know, just something about it. Like, and I think Nate just kind of nailed it on the head. Just like it was so unnecessary what happened midway through the movie. And when it switched like that, and when time just kind of goes by in like a blink of an eye... It's weird for me, and it's just it's I have mm-hmm. a disconnect with the characters. So all of a sudden, I'm just like I'm not as invested. Whereas like the first half, I thought it was very solid. Like it was very mm-hmm. interesting. Just like their romance, just like this like spontaneous love and the the elevens being like a very constant theme throughout the movie. And we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Yeah, Th- there was a point where I wasn't sure if the movie was going to be about science or if it was going to be about romance because that first part with that character you you see kind of how it's going and you're not really seeing the science side of it as much um but the tests and everything scientific about it was cool um because the eye is like the yes brain's important heart's important your eyes though no eyes no nothing nothing around us has any meaning as much if we can't see it once it got into that aspect and they started talking about the soul and how things can kind of be connected if you believe that um mm-hmm. and then when it started talking about that it's when it got really interesting but it didn't last as long as i was hoping it to i did really like how they how they brought like the eye was obviously like the main center point of this film and how it's it's basically the fingerprint of a human being nobody can have the exact same sort of patterns in your eyes or whatever so I, I really like the initial story when he kind of goes to the party and he only sees her eyes because it's a Halloween party and then he's trying to find her and he uh, sees the big billboard and stuff. And obviously the 11s, I, I don't really... I, it was supposed to show like patterns in the world and stuff like that, I guess, but it never got resolved. That's one... Well, no, so this is what I meant when I was like, I'll say I'll talk about it a little bit later. There's so many random Easter eggs with the number 11 throughout the film, like... And I mean, like, so many down to, like, the runtime of the film. It's an hour and 42 minutes. Add those numbers up. It equals 11. Down to street signs that are in the movie. Down to phone numbers that are in the movie on the billboard. Add those numbers up or do something with the math. It's 11. So, like, they place that deliberately throughout the entire movie just to, like, pick up on. So, like, they did sprinkle that in um, on purpose. 
Uh, and they then there's that one whole montage scene. Sorry, there's one whole montage scene where it's like, oh, like those 11s are being constant. Like when he goes and pays for that food and the change is 11-11. He's at 7-11. Then he goes outside and some subway is like number 11. It's 11-11. Gets, on, gets, yeah. gets off on the street and that sees the billboard. That's how it connects the eyes. They were trying to have a little bit too much ulterior meaning in there, I think. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck the 11 thing. It just seemed like just they were trying to pepper more shit in there that really <laughs> didn't make any sense. So... Well, that they is... even kind of tried to explain it with that Sophie character. Like, what did she, she said something at one point, like, oh, I kept sending you 11s or something like that to try and show some sort of spiritual connection between them, I guess. But mm-hmm. the thing that was kind of weird for me was just, like, he's searching for this random girl that he met once and then how comfortable they are with each other when he sees her. Like yeah, with they the just start making and the out. headphones. I'm like, what <laughs> yeah. the fuck? Like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah. like we're at least gonna like text or Facebook chat before this. Like, I'm not just gonna, I'm not taking a mento from you, well, crazy lady. The thing is, I guarantee she she knew exactly who he was, and I oh, think yeah. he was oh, pretty course. certain as well. But uh, that was that scene was a little like, <laughs> I know that th- that's the thing. It's like watching movies like this now with the concept of, like everyone has to wear a mask. It's like ah, oh, those times. Anyways, I like the first half of the movie a lot. When the incident does happen midway through, I did have a disconnect with the movie. I just was like, all right, this this one might not be for me. I don't know what about it. It just seems so unnecessary and cruel. But, like, they could still go for that concept without having to... Because the second that elevator stopped, you knew exactly what was going to happen. And, like, I was like, are they really going to do this? And they did it. Moving on from that, I mean... I liked how they presented the concepts. I just don't know if it really worked for me in the end. But it's a very interesting movie, and it's a movie that I actually would be very fascinated to rewatch. And it it did kind of confuse me a little bit when they started showing other people's profiles. I was just like, so is it their like soul being transferred, did, or is it just did you guys the watch the is similar? No, didn't I didn't watch the after credit scene. I no, just no, so no, happened to be one. let the credits roll, and then another scene comes on. And spoiler alert, but you know when he goes and visits the the African American family, right? And yes. there, there's all these similarities to all the photos that they were showing Tobias, the yes. kid that has in quotes autism, according yep. to that doctor. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah co- come to find out, uh, it's it's actually this kind of whole scheme where they're they're trying to find reincarnated public figures. So, it. it and you know the system they were looking at that's like oh yeah this is sophie is this girl out in china or in india where they saw her eyes got scanned in 2013 or whatever well they've been scanning people for years and they found like a reincarnated gandhi and a reincarnated elvis and a reincarnated hitler and all types of things so no, that would have been nice if they had said something. I, <laughs> I was reading it in Wikipedia. Oh, so well. okay, like, so they're on what? Kind of a big deal. Who is that? Ronald Reagan, Elvis. So they're trying to yeah, find like Elvis a bunch of different. They're, they're trying to find reincarnated people, and I don't know. It, it seems Martin as though they're, yeah, it seems oh, like they're trying so to they're do scanning mine, Malcolm X. So they're scanning a bunch of famous people's eyes oh, to see dude, if this that's Irish interesting. Is... That's what I'm telling you. Dude. See, and if the movie did that. I'm on board, but it didn't. But that's it didn't, and that's that's. <laughs> Why is this in the after credits? This is I amazing. I don't know, and they, I don't know. <laughs> but here, Damn, here, gonna, let me I let me try to tell it, you I why. I, I really, really like this movie, guys, and I I get why you didn't like it. Right. I think that Michael Pitt is a no, little no, no. One hey, note. I liked it. I just okay. didn't love it. And that no, that's and I understand. There's a lot of people that didn't like this movie. I mean, look at the score. It's not it's not great. 
whatever. It's, it's just my disbelief. If you really can turn your brain off and be like, wow, this is really cool. And if you don't have any sort of huge, strong religious beliefs and you're open to a lot of things, then hopefully you're not yeah. offended by this movie. This is a very interesting movie. It's very ambitious. I think it's one to certainly check out. And it, like we've just been talking about it for a while. It can provide some very interesting <laughs> discussions and thoughts. And I think the movie did a good job. So I'm actually going to bump up my grade a tad from my initial grade i was giving it a three out of five but i'll go three and a half out of five it's int- i liked it it's 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 good but i wanted to really love it and i didn't um so maybe a rewatch i could i could be persuaded more or my grade will change or say the same it's funny that you upped your grade because i'm gonna lower my grade because Damn. now that i'm looking at it i just the first third of the movie felt like a completely different movie. And then once they went into the science and stuff of it, it felt completely different. So I'm going to lower it from a four out of five to a three and a half out of five, just because thinking about how different those acts were from each other, I didn't really notice at the time because when you're watching it, they make it make sense. But just kind of the way it was paced in between, I wasn't a big fan of, but I actually didn't mind the performances and the concept. I think is really, really cool. And like Spencer said, if they had put that post-credit thing in the movie and made that a part of it, this could have easily been a solid four. That's the most interesting aspect right there. I I didn't know that. But just needed just a little bit more. I get it. I get it. I think for me, maybe I was in a really good mood, but this this story really just just hit me in the the best of ways. I, I loved a lot of things about it. I think there were really some really strong, impactful scenes. But yeah, I love the movie. I give it a five out of five. I thought it was fucking great. All right! Wow, five out of five. <laughs> I really, really like thrown out early in the podcast. Good. For yeah, you. that's why I was like, "You want to get this out of the way first? That's bad news." So if this, I, okay, I did, so yeah, John, I was gonna say because I didn't expect this movie to take up half the podcast. <laughs> if for some reason, just pose some questions. You know, if for some reason this gets a Criterion release, would you buy it? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, I don't think I ever yeah. will, but I'm just curious. All right, moving on to movie number two. This is uh, this is Nate's film. This is uh, mine. A throwback it's... film. Um, I, I'd seen the Peter Jackson remake of this film. I need to watch the 70s version as well. Um, this was 1933's King Kong that was directed by Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shudsack. Wild, weird, wonderful. The stuff for which movies were made. Adventure to make you wonder if it's true while your eyes convince you that it is. Truly, the thrill of thrills. Don't miss it this time. We're millionaires, boys! with all of you. Why, in a few months, it'll be up in lights on Broadway. Come! The eighth wonder of the world! <laughs> yeah, a film crew goes to this tropical island on a uh, location shoot and discovers a colossal ape who kind of has a thing for the female star. He's uh, captured and taken to New York where he's put on display. But uh, this movie's very famous. Like, this one... I would say if you went anywhere around the world and you just looked at someone and said King Kong, they would probably know what you were talking about. Like, I was in fifth grade, and I put King Kong on the back of my shirt. I didn't even really understand it, but I was like, 
oh yeah, King Kong, he's a boss. So this is just one of those movie characters and films that just has stood the test of time, and they're still making remakes of it today. So what did you guys think going into it? I, I think with King Kong, it sees obviously a huge staple in pop culture. Like, they're still making movies about him. Nothing's changed. If anything, he's even, I mean, obviously he's he's grown to be in one of the biggest movies of all time coming up right now with Godzilla vs. King Kong. That's been hyped up for years now. I did want to kind of go in and see, you know, where it all started. I was, when you brought these movies up, I was like, all right, this is exciting. I, I'm glad to finally go check this out. And I really do try to give these movies the best chance that I abs- I absolutely can. And I think this movie does have a lot of great things about it. It was really interesting to go back and, and see how they would have made this back in 1933. But I definitely had some problems with it uh, as well. So that's, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of I saw that coming, to be honest. Basically, I know what the problem is. The problem is that it was made in 1933. <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> the problem for just, you. Yeah. That's all I really want um, to say. So that's just your that's just your taste in film, and that's that's totally your opinion. I thought this movie was so fun. Like it was so cheesy and fun, just to throw back and watch a movie, a monster movie, nevertheless, made in this time era. Plus, like the story that we've all known for so many years, and they've done so many iterations of it. We've seen it done so many times, but it's so cool to see it done from the very beginning and how the characters were created and just like the miniature effects that they were doing was so fascinating. Like the stuff on like the tree trunk, like shaking off the men. And that's the other Mm -hmm. thing. The movie is so brutal (laughs) and violent. Mm -hmm. Like the brontosaurus, like ripping apart this dude on a tree. I'm like, holy Mm -hmm. shit. And like the foggy cinematography and like how they were doing the miniatures with like mixed with the real people and stuff. Like with, uh, especially the, the woman being like placed on like a tree or a rock or something. And Khan like fights the, like a, a t-rex or something mm-hmm. it was just dumb silly fun and i enjoyed the hell out of it so this one yeah. was a big win for me i've seen the peter jackson one i've only seen it once and i saw it back probably a year after it came out or something like that so it's been a pretty long time since but how the hell in 1933 were these people able to make you sympathize with an ape that looks like because it does in the film. A lot of times, I feel in those older movies, you just see the the creature in like a big shot with a wide shot with them fighting or them doing something. But this one did it differently, and you got close ups. You got to see his facial movements, so you could see him making decisions. Um, you saw when the girl falls down, he comes right to her rescue and i know it's all stop motion animation and miniature figures and stuff like that but holy crap i'm like i want this ape to live i do like (laughs) Mm -hmm. he's not doing anything like leave him alone just such a classic the only thing that bugged me was that the final act was way too short yeah the final act spent way too much time on, on skull island just yep. because it, you can only take so much as far as like the sets and whatnot until it kind of stands out to you. But it did have some cool fight scenes like the original Kong and T-Rex and just seeing how all that played out and the villagers and how they worshipped him. It was actually a pretty grand scale, some of those scenes. But I loved Faye Ray, the woman who plays Anne. I loved her. I don't know why, but I just I thought she was perfect for that i just got so like uh, that's the one other thing that annoyed me her screams and i know that they're iconic i know that like she is like the scream queen essentially like the og 
but like oh they were pierce inducing screams yeah. that like they i literally lowered chilling. my volume at times i'm just like i don't want to listen to this scream again come on and like <laughs> it happened so many times where like like the camera would like cut to her and like she's getting ready she's like <laughs> God. <laughs> like, Dude, but they I don't even, know. like, foreshadow it on the boat yeah. when they're like, oh, you're looking up, you're looking up, and then oh you my see God, something dude. higher. I really like that part is when, when they're, when, they're when, like, they're trying to create all the reaction shots to what she's eventually going to see. That, that was when, really fucking interesting. When that, like, other guy in the boat, like, grabbed the sailor's arm like, next to him and, like, I, like, he was so scared by her scream. Like, that scene, I laughed. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> you're that scared? Oh, man. Yeah. It just, it was nice seeing just this fabled cinematic tale from its origins. And I actually think I might have to do some research on this, but I think there was a King Kong before this King Kong. But it just never, like, either never was completed. Yeah. Um, and I, on a horror movie documentary that I watch a lot, um, there was a quote. I don't know how factual it is or where they got this information, but someone said that they believed that Adolf Hitler's favorite movie of all time was the original King Kong. So well, people say. Else's favorite, this, uh, it was Peter Jackson's favorite movie of all time, and he was going to make King Kong, and after uh, he was making The Frighteners for Universal, and then they came to him with King Kong, and he was like, this is my passion project, I, I, I'm absolutely going to do it, and he made like a very faithful adaptation of this 1933's King Kong that he was going to make in the 90s, and then it kind of fell apart because they started making Godzilla, the Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie. Uh, the, the mm-hmm. Jurassic Park movies were coming out and all that kind of stuff. So, like, they all of a sudden fell behind in the monster genre. And so instead, Weinstein was like, Jackson, you're doing Lord of the Rings. And he's like, all right, we're doing yeah, Lord of the Rings. Please. He does Lord of the Rings. And, and he's he, editing yeah. Return of the King. Uh, and then they come back with King Kong. And they're like, yep, you want to do King Kong now? And he's like, yep. <laughs> so he's like literally agrees <laughs> to do that while editing Return of the King. And then he revisits his script that he wrote in the 90s, changes it. And that's what becomes his... 2005's King Kong, um, which I actually watched after watching this movie because this movie was just so much fun to watch. I wanted to go back and revisit the 2005's Peter Jackson, uh, and knowing that uh, beforehand, I was like, "Oh, okay, that'd be very interesting." Because like that, when I watched it like 10 years ago, kind of went over my head. It was just like, "Ah, oh, it was a fun kind of monster movie." Sentences that are uttered in the 1930s King Kong, Peter Jackson has like a 10 minute sequence of in like his his film he goes into so much detail because the movie's three hours and like 30 minutes that's insane how do the uh how do the effects hold up in that one i know uh oh, compared to the 1933 i'm sure okay i mean yeah the scene that i always remembered is that is the t-rex getting its like jaws broken in half and which happens I was... in this original yeah okay yeah right, here, let me and i was really it glad to of. see that and i think with a lot of these scenes you have to appreciate how the special effects were done it's so obvious that this was 99% done on a soundstage. It's so interesting. Yeah, like, especially that like, scene when they shoot down that, um, like, Stegosaurus or something. And, that like, was, there's yeah, a long shot of them of. walking <laughs> along its, like, dead body. And then, like, the tail, like, lifts up at the end. But, yeah, like, it was, yeah. It was some, it's a weird merge of the two, like, composites or something. It's, mm-hmm. it's so – that's why I was so fascinated watching this because it's, like, yeah, film from 1930s, like, the pioneer of the monster film genre – fascinating mm-hmm. to me and, and i have a book very well worth it called the book of a thousand and movies is, oh, yeah. sorry the book of movies essential thousand films to see and they are all edited with like reviews that have come out from like when the movie came out so there's a review of king kong that's written okay. from 1933 
So it's like the audience's reaction to the King Kong and stuff like that. It's so fascinating what they were able to um, say about it. When you watch a movie like this, you really have to put yourself, and I'm sure you guys did, but put yourself in the shoes of people that would have seen this in the 30s or even 10, 20 years later. I really fucking tried. I really tried. But I will say, I think this movie is like, it's a really good sort of starting point for the King Kong genre or just monster movies in general because they've come such a long way. And this wasn't even a bad start. Like, it was very entertaining. The special effects are amazing. And brutal. It's, yeah, like, and you're right. Brutal. Violent. A lot of people fucking died. The yeah. scene when they were falling off the log, where they just kept cutting to a body falling, body falling, <laughs> yeah, that was thud, awesome. after that thud, was after so thud. Great. I think <laughs> in a, there might have been a deleted scene or something. Uh, there was supposed to be, like, spider creatures down in the bottom. There's all I kinds don't know of if you saw that the, in your uh... look, Spencer, but I've heard that that was like an old scene that they had to cut. Yeah, it's funny seeing how Kong has changed. He went from like strict looking like a gorilla to now he's more of a uh, looks like a gigantopithecus. Like they were these giant creatures from like the 1800s that lived in China. Yeah, no, I I'm really glad to finally check this off the list. I've I'm a I really like monster movies like Pacific Rim, Kong Skull Island, or just just anything monster based alien or something. They're just really entertaining. I'm mainstream boy, so of course, like this is something I I need to check off my list. I did like it. I just think that it's like a good starting point for the monster films. So I don't think it's like amazing or anything. It it kind of reminds me of like say you watch like you this isn't gonna you aren't gonna relate to this, but you watch season forty of Survivor and then you go back and watch season one. It did bother me a little bit knowing like what the new movies have done so it's just like it's not nearly as entertaining but i think there were got a lot a lot of good elements and if you put yourself in the shoes of the people that saw this back in the 30s it's obviously insanely impressive so i'm at least going to give it a fresh rating so i'll give it three and a half out of five i think it's you know a a very solid very well done movie for its time but obviously three and a half out of five is so much higher than where i thought you were gonna go but um, no i i think gonna go much lower no 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 i mean i think that's just where we just have different opinions because some of the things that you mentioned that you didn't like were some of the things that i just loved about it for me just watching a movie made like this is just so was so cool some stuff did bother me of course i mean like the ending was very rushed and just it wasn't as strong as when they were on skull island but like there was some I just love some of the cinematography. Like there was one shot of like the boat emerging in the water as it arrives in Skull Island. And it's like surrounded by fog and it was just such an awesome shot. I was just like, hell yeah. Like I can't like just what they were able to do with it. It was just fascinating to me. What they were able to do with Khan was just fun and goofy. Like, especially when they did close-ups of his reactions. I was just like, this is awesome. This is so cheesy and fun. So I'm going to go four out of five. Uh, this is a great movie. And if it ever gets a like uh, release on like, criterion or arrow or shout or you know some sort of like nice release i would love to pick it up it's um it's a great one i'm glad that i picked this one over godzilla like i said it's it's nice seeing the beginnings and i feel a lot of times with these older movies like with the cinematography some shots kind of look out of place or just some of the choices that they make but in this one i thought it was pieced together real well and actually looked really clean for a movie from like 1933 and i loved the set designs like when they're on skull island and the big wall and the costumes that the tribes people had to wear and whatnot and of course kong himself like that's groundbreaking and visual effects and this was before visual effects were even an oscar thing but if they were this would have been the one this would have swept 
everything in that category. So for me, it's I'm matching Spencer's four out of five. Like I understand that it's not the perfect movie, but for what it did and for what it's paved going forward, um, I think it deserves it. So that's a four out of five for me for 33's King Kong. And I absolutely recommend watch this on HBO Max before checking out mm-hmm. King Kong versus Godzilla. And watch, I mean, I'm even curious to check out the uh, Godzilla. I know that we didn't get to watch it for the podcast, but I might even check it out before watching the new Godzilla or maybe just the uh, 2014 Godzilla. This brings us to the final movie of the podcast. We're going to talk about Lost in Translation. You're a movie star. Yes, I should be doing movies. Yeah. You know Lat Pak? Rat Pack? Rat Pack. A ring a ding ding. Mr. Hari, Mr. Kazo sent me my stocking. Lip them. What? Hey, lip my stocking. Lip them? What? What are you doing? My husband's a photographer, so he's here working. He wasn't doing anything, so I came along. What do you do? Directed by Sofia Coppola from The Virgin Suicides somewhere and the most recent film On the Rocks. But this one stars Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. Faded movie star and a neglected woman form an unlikely bond after crossing paths in Tokyo. It's got a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.7 on IMDb, 3.9 on Letterboxd, and it's got some Oscar recognition and even a win, Best Original Screenplay win, and Best Picture Actor and Director nominations. So it got some critical acclaim. Yes. So yeah, going into this movie, Lost in Translation, Nate, did you know anything about this going in, and what'd you think? I did. This is one of those movies that I think pops up on a lot of people's lists as ones that you need to see with great performances, and I've seen Virgin Suicides, so... Sofia Coppola has a certain style to it, but she's definitely good at telling a story. Yeah, so I'd heard of this one. I knew who was in it, but I just was never able to put movie to the story, so I was glad I was finally able to check it out. And I think when it comes to movies you need to watch, this one has always been up there. I've always known about Lost in Translation. I've always known about Bill Murray sitting there with the slippers in his bathrobe (laughs) in the hotel. Um, So yeah, I was very interested to check this one out and see Scarlett Johansson and when she filmed this movie, when it re- was released, it was she was only 18 years old, which is pretty yeah. insane. But yeah, no, I was I was really excited to watch this. I, I love seeing sort of these actresses and these younger roles before they got famous. And obviously, Bill Murray is is awesome. So and this is another movie that was in the book of movies that I have right here. It's one that you have to see. And uh, another review that was written in 2003, and they were like, "Yeah, this is probably going to get Oscar recognition," and it absolutely did. Um, so I was always interested to check this one out, mainly because, yeah, I'd seen the poster so many times. I had seen some of other Sofia Coppola's films, like Virgin Suicides and uh, Somewhere and some other stuff like that. I really enjoyed it. It's such a <laughs> melancholy film, but and it's it's very slow. It, it's really slow. There was some there's some sort of like warmth about it that like I was so interested in it and like it it was the characters like they were just so fascinating and when bill murray got to do his bill murray stuff i was laughing like i literally was <laughs> chuckling especially him with the photographer doing like that little uh, uh commercial with the whiskey and they were just surfing off each other time. so funny like i loved it just it. reminded like, me of, of so nate's great. direct tv commercial yeah bill murray uh, is fantastic in this movie and Sofia coppola actually wrote this wrote the character with him in mind and basically said like hey i'm not gonna make the movie unless he does it and i guess he's really bad at getting back to you because he doesn't he's has terrible communication skills or something but he just showed up a week before 
the shooting in Tokyo, and he's like, all right, let's do this. So no, so he's a man of his yeah. word. So he gives verbal confirmations, <laughs> right? And, so and you know, he's uh, like, that's that's not that wouldn't be enough for me to get my whole film crew out to Tokyo. But hey, they they made the movie, and damn, yeah. it, it really was impressive, man. I think it's I, shot very well. It's yeah. it, it's a beautiful representation of something that technically did happen in Sofia Coppola's life. So it's a very personal story as well. And I don't know, I just really like her storytelling techniques, and these characters are pretty great. I laughed so hard when he's on the elliptical and it's going out <laughs> well, of control so <laughs> and he goes to reach for the handle and it smacks his hand and he's like, ow, but he's still on the elliptical, like trying to stop it. Oh uh, my God. I almost busted my gut laughing. I'm like, <laughs> he's looking out so the window. Bad. Like imagine the people watching him just like, oh, what's that guy doing? <laughs> I feel he like gets Americans off, almost in... falls in like yeah. Jap- japan or china are just like so funny these people because we just seem like these tall bumbling idiots just walking around i feel like that's what at least if nate was there they look at nate take one look at six foot tall nate making his way through tokyo they're just gonna start laughing <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know jesus oh, david ortiz but, what was that that's another family guy thing. <laughs> Dude, no ortiz it's these two Peter. brothers in china and they're like tom tom where are you hey i'm over here <laughs> ron ron where are you over here, Paul. Oh, good. There you are. It's pretty here. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you are. <laughs> and they show they do they even have their own scene like this in the movie where it's Bill Murray in the elevator and everyone's like at shoulder level and he's just yeah <laughs> standing in the middle. But this movie had a sweetness to it to a point where a film about an older man and a younger woman, I think would like be a turnoff in most in most cases and like 99% of the time I think it would be kind of hard to work but this combination works Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray can star in any movie that I and I, I and also I think it would saw work it, I also saw it kind of more as just kind of a friendship or like a bond they just like they were bonding with each other I, I didn't see it so much as like sexual Whereas they just needed each other to just like help cope with what where they are Satisfy in their lives and move on. I didn't realize how emotional, like emotionally invested, I was uh, into this movie until like that final scene with the hug. When that hug mm-hmm. happened, it just hit me like everything like, like, comes away. to a like, head. I was just like, yeah. oh my god! Like I didn't realize how invested I was in their friendship and their chemistry together. Like mm-hmm. it was so necessary. Like how much they needed each other to move on, like in and where they were in their lives and. It's just a very fascinating look. Um, that is a that's something life, that they do so well in this movie. Like without and the dialogue scenes are great. I think they do convey a lot of emotion. But the way that Coppola is able to convey emotion with just glances and just a lot of just body language and stuff like that. I think especially with the scene when um, Bill Murray's doing karaoke, and I love that scene by the way. It's probably the most upbeat, happy scene in the film. Is <laughs> the night that they're just kind of out on the town with all the Japanese surfer dudes. He's doing karaoke, and he just like looks over at Charlotte Johansson, and they're just like smiling with this sort of just like genuine understanding of like, yeah, this is what we both needed to kind of get through whatever it is in our lives that's holding us back. And and I, I don't know, it's just a lot of really heartwarming scenes in a film that yeah like spencer said is relatively melancholy overall it was like it was like they took a soul and they split it in half and they put it on opposite sides of the world and would like go find each other and just the minute they kind of connect when they're at the restaurant it's almost like they're the same person they're thinking the same they're drawn to each other you can tell on his face he's wondering if she's awake 
and then sure enough he gets a fax that says hey bob are you awake and yeah. it's like another funny um, thing about like in 2003 yeah. <laughs> and those faxing oh, and each other fax machines yeah those <laughs> great yeah, yeah. funny thing <laughs> my mom came in halfway through and i was uh talking about how i got the fellini collection um and i'm like you've never heard of la dolce vita and she goes no sure enough i hit play five minutes later scarlett johansson and bill murray's characters are watching la dolce vita <laughs> oh I'm wow like, funny i'm like yeah. are you kidding me and it was yeah, just it and i oh, know wow. that like and as the movie went on i knew it wasn't like a, a sexual relationship but it was nice seeing these like two opposites of people just being able to hang out and have it feel natural. Like when they go to the strip club and he goes, you want me to get you a drink? And she goes, no, I want to go. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and they just hop up and they, they run and they're in some random arcade somewhere. Yeah, that was, that was and yeah. I wanted to get out of there too. I was like, can exactly. we not be here right now? This is uncomfortable. Something, yeah. It's something about Tokyo though. <laughs> Anything that takes place in like the Tokyo like center, the metropolitan area it's so cool because you don't know what you're going to see. It's like New York it's City times 10. Yeah. And I would love to go. I would love to go, yeah, would would love love to, to, go to Tokyo. And this movie Let's go. reassured that. <laughs> I know. That's, I'm Those down. movie dudes take Tokyo? This I'm movie just makes you want to go travel and soul search. And, <laughs> I miss it. You know, yeah. Regardless of what time you are in your life, it's like, I just want to get out there and just discover something. And I think that this film does that as well. So. And that's another thing with the, the, the phone calls with the wife. Those scenes were so like very uncomfortable just like there was this like passive aggressiveness towards each other and like you could just tell like there's a reason why bill murray's the way he is he's just a faded movie star taking this commercial for uh a bunch of money it's a sellout kind of move and he knows it Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like he's just a little depressed but two million dollars for that one commercial like what great and then he had to be on that stupid game show I was like, what is this? Like, what kind of TV do they watch over there? <laughs> yeah. And I think Scarlett Johansson is just phenomenal as well. It's no wonder that she has had such a career that she's had since this movie. Because I think this one, I mean, it really probably put her on the map. I don't quite know what else she was in before this. But Ghost since World. this, she, yeah, I almost sure. It. She's phenomenal. And it, I just love that they paired her with Bill Murray and the scenes with her and him together, the way that's when like Bill Murray could just kind of be himself a little bit and like just be comedic and improv and just I guarantee he was genuinely making her laugh. And that those mm. were the scenes I loved the most. And yeah, like those karaoke scenes. Even though I do think this movie is like one too many karaoke scenes, like too long. But regardless, I think oh, this no, movie that was is my favorite part of the film. Amazing. That that was my favorite part. So I just wanted them to keep singing. Personally, I just thought that was so upbeat and um, and happy well they do one full song and then it goes to the next person and then they do like their full song i'm like right we're really gonna stay here yeah that's fair yeah it's good um i but, think my yeah. favorite scene is and it's a kind of a subtle scene is when they're just kind of like talking on the bed it's late at night i think it's when they're watching that movie nate and they just kind of mm-hmm. turn to each other and she's like i remember the first time i saw you was in the bar and he's like yeah the first time i saw you was in the elevator or something yeah and then uh he was like yeah you were smiling and then he makes her laugh and he's like oh not that big not that big or i don't know it's just like very subtle just like good character moments that just bring a smile to your face and it's it's not easy yeah. to do that and sophia coppola is great at it and these actors make it even easier so yeah the chemistry I was loved... amazing <laughs> yeah i loved how they made bill murray like they gave him these assistants this group of like 
people following him and he'd go down to the lobby and see them and like sneak around to the other side so he doesn't have to oh he yeah felt so trapped <laughs> he was there with like publicists yeah. and stuff and he's like um what did he say i'm pretty sure he said more than that no he just said to be more oh, i love that scene are you are you sure yeah. i'm pretty sure he said something more like there was a was lot like a but... two minute rant okay whatever you say and yeah, then he's turn like your head to the left <laughs> Miss you above. And then he's like, Oh, you want me to do like Roger Moore, James Bond? And he's like, (laughs) He was doing like a Zoolander before Zoolander was cool. (laughs) So it was definitely one of those ones that I was glad to check off the bucket list because it was, it's a long time coming. I would 100% agree. So, Nate, what would be your final thoughts and grade for Lost in Translation? This movie felt just like a warm blanket. Like you just were kind of transported to this unfamiliar world to us of Tokyo with two famous actor and actress that just worked so well together and made it feel so genuine without being creepy. Because like I said earlier, I think sometimes these types of relationships that you see can come off kind of oddly just because of an age difference. Maybe that's just me. But the way that their characters talked and the dialogue and how Sofia Coppola was able to write it, they felt like real people. And it was just kind of nice, like, just these two people were both lost and they found each other and it kind of had a kind of a bittersweet climax but i was happy with it like it 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 ended the way it should have and i i give it all the credit in the world for that so solid solid four out of five um could be a four and a half maybe a five if i watch it more and kind of grow to like it more but four for now i really like that ending too i don't think it could have gone any better i think we got Mm -hmm. the most upbeat ending that we really could have expected with this movie like it was a nice bow on top of the film you got because if it had just ended with that scene in the in the uh the hotel lobby i would have been like yeah oh man that sucks um yeah they would have gone out on a very sour note so i'm glad we got that but yeah i think the performances especially with scarlett johansson are just ahead of her time she is just this charismatic just charm of a human being like she's she's literally a diamond in the rough she's she's incredible i love her and bill murray is just so unique with the way that he able he's able to deliver his lines he's so comedic just effortlessly funny and easy to listen to and i don't know these characters just got along so well and i just i don't know i just love the connection between them and then sofia coppola i mean she she really does create a fascinating story it feels very personal um, it feels very close to her heart too. So I think that I would like to see more of her films because this one was, it was really great. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm going to go four and a half out of five. I think this was a really, really good one. It's very inspiring film and from a filmmaking standpoint and just like wanting to go out and experience things as well. It's just like, go do something with your life. You know what I mean? So I was reading a little bit behind the scenes and apparently Sofia Coppola kind of outlined the movie and mainly wanted the characters to kind of like, like she had like certain scenes in mind, but she just mainly wanted this, the uh, actors to improv and make up some scenes together. Um, and she won best original screenplay at the Oscars, so that was pretty wow. fascinating. <laughs> just improv it, and here's your Oscar. <laughs> but good for her. Nice. But good I mean, her, yeah. yeah, no, this movie. I thought that I was gonna like it. I didn't expect to borderline love it. I think this movie is. I don't know. I just really, really connected with it. I thought that Bill Murray was phenomenal. It's probably one of my favorite performances I've seen from him. And Scarlett Johansson, like I said, it's no wonder that she's had the career that she's had. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. And um, I mean, I kind of wish that he 
did win an Oscar because it'd be nice to have like Oscar winner Bill Murray someday. But um, oh, it was just, he was deserving of it. it. It was great. I lo- I really did like this movie. So I'm gonna match John's four and a half out of five. If this ever does get like a nice physical media treatment, Criterion, 4K, whatever, I'm buying it for all three films this week. I think honestly, all three um, of these movies, yeah, I wouldn't I would, buy King Kong, but I'd eh, totally buy I King Kong. I, nah, did, I liked all these movies. This was a good week for me. Um, but anyways, <laughs> those were the movies that were voted on a couple of weeks ago by those good people that follow us at those movie dudes on Instagram. And because there's a new episode, there's a new poll. So go and check out our stories right now so you can vote on these picks. We don't even know what movies that we're going to be picking for the poll, but we're going to announce them right vote here. On them. But please go vote, vote on, on them right now. So, John, <laughs> what movie, what movies are you putting in the poll for the good people to vote on this weekend? So Spencer, I'm getting a little bit mainstream and a little bit sci-fi this, this time around. Um, it, I think you already know what the picks are, but it's a film that came out early, early before pandemic even started 2020 with Kristen Stewart on HBO max underwater. It's going up against Sputnik, the 2020 film, um, which I think is foreign. Is I think it's a movie? Russian film. Yes. It says from Estonia. I think that's a, russian country or it's around that same ge- geographic area but yeah uh another kind of monster sci-fi film so take your pick speaking of uh, nate what are you what, what are you putting out for your poll this weekend the first one it's got a famous diva throwdown of betty davis and joan crawford whatever happened to baby jane I've really been interested in this one. Um, it's about a crazy sister who keeps her sister captive. And I have a list in front of me, and there's four that I'm trying to pick from. I'm going to oh, go man. with... Let's go with a little Nazi satirical uh, drama called To Be or Not To Be. It's on HBO Max, um, and it's about a group of actors that go underground and try and trick the Nazis. And I've heard it's one of the best like spoof adaptations of nazi on film so those are my two films whatever happened to baby jane and to either of these films so i've heard of them i don't know too much about them um but that's the same i think i'm gonna kind of keep in the same pattern of you guys because i don't know if you guys have heard of these ones as well i'm going a little under the radar as well one of the movies that i'm going to go with is actually directed by the coen brothers but i've heard it's really good was recommended to me from somebody that i trust it is called the man who wasn't there Came out in 2001, uh, but oh, it has wow. Billy Bob Thornton, Francis McDormand, uh, Scarlett Johansson's actually in this as well. That's interesting. Huh. And that one is going to go up against another movie that I don't know too much about, but it's directed by Paul Schrader. It's called Affliction. Came out in 1998. Stars Nick Nolte, Willem Dafoe. Uh, it's kind of a little like Willem mystery Dafoe suspense movie. I, I love me some Willem and Dafoe. His films always lose. <laughs> <laughs> so, Poor guy. The Man Who Wasn't There and Affliction. Those are the two movies that... I'm going to put up in my poll. Sick, bro. I'm very hit or miss with the Coen brothers. Uh, it's either really good or I'm just like, ugh, sour taste in my mouth. All right. Well, those were the those are the movies that you guys can go and vote on right now in our Instagram stories. Decide what movies we're going to be talking about in the next episode. It's going to come out in about two weeks from this episode. So what is the date on that? Uh, that is going to be February 27th. So stay tuned for those movies. And if you missed it, check out our Instagram feed. You can see which poll or which movies won. So. And cool. we do have a few other shows um, that I wouldn't mind mentioning. If you don't, if you don't mind, Spencer, since no, you are ahead. the host for the show, well, that's are, okay. 
What are those shows? Oh, well, um, I do believe we have a show called Mainstream Boys. It does come out every single Monday. We talk about the new release films of the week. We grab a big bucket of popcorn, some ice cold cherry coke, maybe some snow caps. Get together, put our feet up, take our pants off, and watch Bella Thorne movies. So please join us every single Monday for Mainstream Go on over to uh, Collector's Corner every Wednesday. Um, we do a deep dive into all of our physical media collections, and we talk about something. And I believe it is John's week this week, where we'll oh, yeah. be watching the 2016 Denis Villeneuve film Arrival. So, yeah, you can uh, check us out every Wednesday. If you want to get physical, that's the place to do it. Yep. So thanks so much for listening for another episode of Those Movie Dudes Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just wherever you get podcasts. Click that link in our bio on Instagrams. Uh, subscribe to all of, you know, all of our feeds and stuff like that. Leave us a review, all that fun stuff. Like our stuff on Instagram. We appreciate it. We love you. Thank you. And, and we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. We're the best three friends that anybody could have. I mean the three best friends that anybody could have.